you know, again, this is the coolest thing about what we are doing is that putting, creating an IR department there, we were able to truly like save people's life. Like we were, because by the time people got to us, they were already like really on their last leg, unfortunately. But as they're implementing these down in the years, the work that they, the procedures they get to do in IR will save people's lives. Yeah. Genuinely save people's lives and that are dying for simple reasons that they would never die in the United States. Welcome back to the new Gapped Travel Podcast. We are your hosts, Kim and Aaron. This is episode 58. And in this episode, we're going to be talking to you about our time volunteering with Rad Aid, our experience over there, and how life-changing it was, and how you can get involved as well. So before we get into the show, we wanted to share with you our very first supporter of the show. Yes, official! Official! We're, yeah. we're like real deal. I know. Okay, real deal. Nomadicare is one of our favorite resources for travelers. We are obsessed with it. It's free. It's a no-brainer. And it's what we wished we would have had when we first started traveling eight years ago. So what is Nomadicare? Nomadicare is a service for travelers that basically matches travelers up with recruiters. They're like a matchmaking company, essentially, for healthcare workers. And they take the traveler and they connect them with the highest paying, the most honest, the most transparent recruiters in our industry. And Nomadicare recruiters are held to a different level. They're held to a different standard and they are held accountable to do the things, the right things, the honest things in our industry. Because all recruiters are not created equal and your recruiter creates your entire experience as a traveler. So they're an important person to have in your back pocket and you want to work with the best of the best and that's what Nomadicare does. Well, one of my favorite parts about Nomadicare is let's say you want to get really specific, maybe a location like a New York City or there's a health benefit or insurance that you're looking for and how do you know that if you call another company that they have those specifics for you that's where Nomadicare comes in. Nomadicare will pair you up with a vetted recruiter that will find all of those specifics for you that will save you so much time and effort. And it is so valuable to have that service. Yeah. So they, I mean, honestly, they do all the hard work for you. They uh, basically just make your life easier and it's totally free. It's an incredible service. We use them ourselves. We wish that we would have had them in the beginning or we would have saved ourselves, you know, wasting tons of money and frustrations and just valuable time. And so check them out. Nomadicare.com forward slash freedom and scrubs. It's free to you. And when you use the link freedom and scrubs again, because it supports our show again, free to you. It doesn't cost you anything extra. It just supports us. You, when you use that link, she's also going to send you a free guide that will help you avoid scams when you're trying to find your own housing as a traveler. So, and that's just for y'all listening to the show, using that link, they will send that to you. So you have nothing to lose, everything to gain. Incredible, incredible company that Laura has built. She's a dear friend and definitely go and check them out. Mm -hmm. Now let's get into the show. Welcome, guys, to the Gapped. The first time we've said that. I know. First time. We hit. We always said it a little bit on the last one when we like introduced but it. But this is the first right. time it's officially the Gap Travel Podcast. Like the cover has changed on Apple Podcasts. Like it's legit. Well, not like, yet, though. Yes, it did. It I still ha- Well, it worked on our phones, but when you actually search Gap Travel Podcast, it still has the Freedom and Scrubs uh, thing, which right. kind of looks a little confusing, but... 
catch up apple yeah i know takes a couple days worked on mine anyway we oh so if you don't have no idea what we're talking about listen (laughs) to last week's podcast because we talk about why we're changing the name and kind of the direction and new vibe of the podcast so definitely go check out last week's when you're done listening to this one just have like a binge day like a podcast binge travel podcast binge day sounds awesome Sounds really fun i want a podcast binge day i know uh yeah so for those of you guys who have no idea who we are and this is your first time listening welcome (laughs) welcome we're kim and aaron and we are healthcare travelers we've been traveling for the past eight years all over the united states working in different hospitals and we are obsessed with all things travel related Mm -hmm. and so on this podcast we share all of our tips and tricks and stories and lessons and just inspiration to help you plan your own adventures, your own travels, um, yeah, all with, the things. And with that being said, we are gearing up once COVID loosens its reins and lets us in. We are going to do an adult gap year. We're taking an entire year to travel the world for fun. We are not working. Um, Hell no. And it's something that we've always wanted to do. And so on this podcast as well, we're going to take you along with us on that gap year, but also talk about the planning and the budgeting that you know, took place to go into this. And then, like I said, while we're on our, our travels and then when we come home and the transition back and whatever comes up and is inspired from that trip, uh, we'll take you guys along with us. I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah. I mean, that's the main point of Gap Travel Podcast. <laughs> I thought I said all of that. I think I blocked out. Yeah. Okay, good anyway, job. There we go. That's the, that's the gist, guys. That's, that's the gist. And you get to hang out with us. And we're pretty cool. Sometimes. Pretty fun. All the time. I think we're pretty cool. Me too. Okay. So this week is all about Rad Aid. We get a lot of questions um, about volunteer work, especially from our healthcare traveling community, um, because we have such a benefit um, to be able to take extended amount of time off. So um, we actually went to Tanzania with Rad Aid in April of 2019. We did not have a podcast. This podcast yeah. started, um, we actually got a thing on Facebook today saying one year ago today, uh, you posted uh, the Freedom and Scrubs podcast is now live. So That's such a moment. It was kind of cool to see. And um, so we started this podcast technically in August. Um, and so, year. yeah, and we realized that we had never really done a podcast describing our time and we get a lot of questions, like I said. Well, and we did do a whole series on YouTube because we, we did. were doing YouTube. So we have a whole Tanzania IR Project Rad Aid series on our channel, Kim and Aaron G. So if it is something you're interested in kind of seeing what it was like and the experience that we have, we actually filmed it. Uh, so that was, that was pretty Yeah, cool that was fun. That we actually filmed the entire trip start to finish, um, including all the excursions that we got to go on during it. Um, and then I filmed in the hospital. Um, it was great. Um, it, I really, really enjoy that series. Honestly... That trip, so, you know, we talked about, we've talked about this a couple of times, but ever since Aaron and I started making vision boards years and years and years and years ago, charity has always been a main thing, a main goal and focus for us. And we always wanted to incorporate it in our life, but we never, I didn't, I didn't know how, like, how would that, how would you go about that? And so Rad Aid, this trip that we took to Tanzania to help build the first ever IR department, which we're going to get into, but that was the first thing that we ever did that was kind of like this volunteer trip, like not a mission trip because that's, I guess, what is that? That's like church stuff. I mean, it can still be, I think, a mission. Like right? a medical mission medical type mission. of trip. Yeah. yeah. 
that we were able to go and do. And it honestly changed my life. Like this experience was the coolest thing that we've ever done to be able to show up and really make a difference and a real impact in the community and the people we are working with. You could feel that. Like that was like the driving force for for every day waking up and going in. And it was something that we left like we have to we have to do more of this. Like this has to be a part of our life's work and our mission because it truly was just a magical. Well, yeah, and it's had a lasting impact, and it's kind of even the thing with um, Gap Travel and a lot of the things that we're going to bring forward with that as as that brand and company kind of progress. But it really, I guess you would say, stapled um, just deep in our souls, like the the want to give back. And I think adding to that, um, Kim and I, like we said, on the vision board had always thought about it, but every time you hear medical missions it's usually like cleft palates or a lot of dental things or the mercy ship the mercy ship and and things like that and so when we found out about rad aid i have never felt more lit up because i've always wanted to go and serve and do what i do best and have it be in the specialty that i work because that's what i know best instead of me trying to figure out something else to be helpful which is great too i'm always willing to do but to have something so streamlined and focused for radiology, especially right. IR, was amazing. Well, let's roll it back for just a second because I don't even know if we mentioned this. But if you're listening and you've never heard of RadAid, RadAid is an organization that that does radiology-based volunteer trips. So this is radiology-specific. So it's your CT, your IR, your ultrasound, your x-ray. Like, it's trips that are based around bringing radiology exams and procedures across the world so this is for a very specific person Mm -hmm. but finding it was like oh my god i can't believe this exists when we were at travcon oh gosh so yeah we um so kim and i were in san diego kim and i were in san diego and we were walking when we first we went there for your birthday remember Mm -hmm. in march and we were walking along the river walk and we saw the mercy ship pulling out Mm -hmm. and we were like oh my god i mean it's such a majestic ship like i mean it's just huge and you know that they're going to provide care and humanity efforts, humanitarian efforts, humanity. I guess you're helping humanity. Yeah. But um, you just know the mission of that boat as it's cruising. And like the people on it, they're yeah. just like, all right, guys, let's fucking do it. Yeah. You know, like- you know it is. It's an amazing feeling. And so we were like, oh, my gosh. So that year in um, we went to Travcon and the Mercy Ship had a booth. Mm-hmm. And so we walk up to the Mercy Ship and we we're so excited to talk to them and see if we could have any place there volunteering. And so... Kim started off the conversation as she normally does with anybody we talk to um, and was asking a bunch of questions. And finally, you know, she got some information and they said that there was some need somewhat of ultrasound. They could use you. Um, And then so it was my turn to talk and I got all excited and I said, hey, do you have any need for interventional radiology? Number one, the guy had no clue what interventional radiology (laughs) was. And then he followed up without really trying to understand too much about what interventional radiology was in my skill set. He basically just went right into the fact that I could be a barista on the boat. He's like, we can find you something. Like you could serve coffee and, and all those things. And again, I'm not opposed to anything that gives back, but my focus was really wanting to use the skills that I have acquired over the years of my, you know, career to really provide an impact in what I do. And so I was somewhat defeated, but it kind of led me 
in the feeling of, I know this is something that I want to do. I want to find something to give back medically. Yeah. What is, um, this should, okay. So, so we realized that after talking to them more in depth and we were like, okay, like this is still something we could do. Cause again, we knew we wanted to do something and we were drawn to it, but kind of like felt bummed walking away. Yeah, back. I wanna... It's more, it's like a big surgery center. Like they do surgeries, they do a lot of the cleft palate work, that kind of stuff. So just for radiology, they don't really use no. that. It's not like their core thing. So it was like, mm, okay. Well, of course it's... I want to be like, you have no idea what I am capable of. Yeah, he just like was like, yeah, I don't even know. You could do like a mean stitch though. I could. You were like teaching everybody in Tanzania how to do stitches. Yeah. But this is what I want to say that I just, this just popped in my, my mind. I forgot. Like, do you remember when we were first got together and I looked into joining the peace where we were married already? We wanted to join the peace court because uh-huh. again we wanted to, to travel, travel and give back and help out in communities and kind of just get down in the trenches and do just like meaningful work that adds value to other people that wouldn't necessarily have access to that kind of stuff right so it was like something we were really drawn to well being a part of something bigger than ourselves yeah and using the skills that we have and all that and so um I looked into it and the, so I like did the applications and everything. Like I was like, let's do it, which is so funny because before we even started healthcare traveling, like we were both working full time, living in Jacksonville, all of the things. And still even then having that drive and that like desire to like want to get out and do something different, wanting to travel, wanting to, it's like crazy. I forgot all about it. Anyways. I was just going to say anytime that you're self-reflective, you can really trace back the dots and see where things yeah. were. It was like an idea and it was like brewing mm-hmm. and it was percolating, came to life, kind of explored it, realized, oh, I don't know. You know, it's kind of like one mm-hmm. thing just always, yeah, it's, yeah. it always, the if you allow the feeling to keep growing, right, because it never left, it was always there. Right. But it just kept growing into one day being like, oh, here's this, here's the next step and that step is yeah, exactly well, what and that's what's do. even funny about even what we're going to get into. Well, about can I finish my thing? Oh, I thought that was your thing. No, because I wanted to say I went through and actually um, filled out applications. And the reason why we decided not to do it is because they couldn't guarantee that we would together as a couple, like the, the chances of us being completely separate mm-hmm. and traveling and, pretty high. and having to go somewhere else were very high. So I was like, well, gosh, this is something like I want to do with you. I I would do it on my own if I was single, but it was like I wanted. I, the whole point was to do something together, right. and so we're like, ah, uh, let's just put a it's pin in this. Right it's thing. not the right thing, right? Which which is funny anyway. because um, that was my story. Do you want to get into Riveting. how I found out about Red Aid? <laughs> well, yeah, I wanted to say too. We wanted to do this podcast because we wanted to share our own experience. And just some stories and actually what we did, the logistical things, uh, where we stayed, just how our days looked. The feelings that came up. Yeah, like we want to share all of that from our perspective with you guys. But then we also want to, next week, we're going to be doing an interview with, next Friday. Aaron just gave me the eyes. Oh, I didn't know it was next week. Okay. Oh, no, not next week. That's what I was saying, because we're going to be gone. Yeah. Two weeks. Next week will be in Asheville celebrating Aaron's birthday. Whoop, whoop. In the mountains. Away from people social distancing. That's right. Okay. Wearing masks. <laughs> Wearing pug masks. Sanitizing our hands. Oh my god. Um, but our friend Beth, who helped hook us up with 
the kind of spark. Well, well, she'll be able to explain a little better. She's she's high up in the Rad Aid organization. She's who we interviewed with before we went. Yeah, um, she kind of paved the path for us to be able to jump into Rad Aid. So we're gonna have her on to actually share tips on how to get started with Rad Aid and the projects and the, that are going the on. The projects, the process, what's happening now with COVID, kind of what what it's going to look like in her. She does all kinds of cool trips and and volunteers and things like that. So, just really being able to pick her brain about the actual process of it all. So, we're going to interview her and then we'll have that podcast episode coming out within the yeah. month. And she's also really knowledgeable again with the whole rad aid thing, but also, you know, if you can't go on a trip right away, you know, there's obviously a lot of ways to contribute um, to keeping the missions alive. And so she'll mm-hmm. be able to talk really clearly about that and all the work that they've done to create a buzz around rad aid and these projects that are being involved. And a lot of them are really, really cool yeah. things that they're doing. I do want to say just like just kind of touching on this briefly, if you are like interested in just kind of getting more information and um, and, and checking it out, a uh, all trips are suspended right now because of COVID. So there's nothing going on. So the website does look a little different than it usually does. But you can go on the website and go ahead and fill out an application. It's radaid.org. And I'll also have that in the show notes. But you can go on and, and, and fill out an application and get into the volunteer pool and kind of get the process started. It is, you know, competitive and it, it there are lots of people who want to volunteer. And that's what we're going to have Beth talk about too, is like steps to help you stand out and really be able to get involved in a trip that you're interested in. But if it wasn't during COVID times, the, the website has where you can put in your modality. So if you're ultrasound, CT, MRI, IR, whatever you are, and you can see groups and trips that are currently in the works based off of the skill set you have. Right. So, And I know back in April, they were really pressed for IR nurses, IR specific nurses. Uh, they were needing, they were having a uh, good amount of techs ready to roll. I mean, the a lot of the techs that, I, that went over um, were on their second and third trip. Um, which was really, really cool that, you know, once you go, it's like you just want to constantly be involved. Yeah, um, you get, it's like the, it, don't they say when you get like a tattoo, then you get hooked and yeah. then you just want to get your whole body tattooed yeah. like up yeah. to like you have no skin left? Yeah. I feel like that's kind of like that. It's, it's like once you get a t-shirt, like, like, <laughs> like, you're like, I want more, you yeah, know? Yeah, no, it's pretty much it. So, um, again, Kim and I gave the backstory of always really wanting to look into some sort of charity work that is medical mission driven. And we put it on the shelf. It was in eye level at all times on Mm -hmm. the shelf, but we had no intention of even, you know, going into it and we just stumbled upon it. And I started a contract at Yale and I was Golly, I don't know if I was a couple weeks in, but one of the texts that I was kind of being, I guess, shown around and um, orientated with started talking to another nurse during a case about if she was ready to go to Africa. And I was like, where are you guys going in Africa? Because one, I love hearing about travel stories. Mm -hmm. So I just thought they were friends and going to Africa. And so I thought that was really cool. And they said that they were volunteering with Yale to go to Africa to build the first ever IR department. And I was like, wait, what? Mm -hmm. Like, 
I couldn't believe it. I was shocked. So I was following them around all day. We were so busy. I mean, obviously Yale is a massive facility and we were so busy, but I'm literally like, can you please tell me more? Like, how do I get involved? What do I do? Um, and they were leaving in October and this was like a couple the months first, away. It wasn't the first trip. They were the yeah. first ones to go, the first wave. And so I got all the information and come to find out that's where I first learned about Rad Aid. And then I wanted to press a little bit more on that. And then I started looking it up online and it was that moment that light bulb went off about like, wow, this is what we've been really looking for. Something that is so specific to radiology didn't people. Exist. And I didn't know it existed. I wouldn't have known what to type in. I wouldn't have known right. what to look for. I wouldn't have known if it was legit. But because I stumbled upon them and had this you know, interaction, it made it possible. And I literally met with one of the head fellows uh, a week later and locked it in and mm -hmm. said, we're in. Um, and then what was really cool was they were battling because they were full-time people trying to get PTO or paid leave mm -hmm. for this voluntary trip that was actually, you know, being put on by Yale. So um, this particular trip that we're talking about was put on by the ASRT Yale and um, Reddit. So they all kind of came together to create this particular project. Right. The IR project and is so what it's called, right? From the the yeah, IR project. IR project. And so from the physicians, it was a mix of Stanford, Yale, and um, there was another facility that was involved. Um, but Emory, I think. Emory, and then their fellows were all talking because... Again, we're building the first ever IR department so that from the ground up, they need to train doctors. So that's where it's all starting. These are residents. These are radiology trained physicians in Africa that want to do IR. So they were starting a fellowship program. So there was doctors involved, nurses involved, techs involved, medical students involved. I mean, it was We're going to get to all of that. It was huge. Yeah. Because like, I want to get into like who actually went, what we did, okay. the workflow that we did, kind of like painting a picture of the whole experience just to give people insight of like to what it looked like. Perfect. But, you know, because Aaron was at Yale and we found out about this, it was like such a cool opportunity for us. And we kind of slid in through the back door. We did. And so that's another reason why we want to have Beth on because Rad Aid's such a cool organization, but we didn't actually go through this step-by-step -step procedure that it usually entails to get involved with a trip. We just slid right in because Aaron met the head guy at Yale in person and they were like come on guys like let's go mm -hmm. you know so that was one thing and then uh just to I don't know if we even mentioned this I think I don't know but what we did is we went to Tanzania mm -hmm. and we went to Dar es Salaam which is the largest city in Tanzania it's the largest city in all of West Africa wait is it West East Africa, Africa. I, I always get my east and my west confused yeah. when we're like out of the country. Yeah, East Africa. East Africa. And so in the in Mumbili, Umbili Hospital. It's Muhimbili. The, 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 the M is silent. It's Umbili. Oh, Umbili. 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 It's very yeah. hard to say. It is. But uh, that's the largest hospital in all of East Africa. Mm -hmm. And in Dar es Salaam, obviously, it's, it's a massive, massive facility. And so that Muhumbili Hospital. <laughs> Muhumbili. Muhumbili, yeah. They were creating their IR department. They never had one. It doesn't exist. And so what we were doing was going over and they were sending people over in two week stents. So this was like a four year project, essentially. Mm -hmm. And people were, teams were going over in two week stents to 
to train the people, to create systems and all of that. So we were one of the first teams. So that We started, were the third team to go. Yeah, it started in October. We got to go in April. So we mm-hmm. were like one of the first people on the ground in Tanzania. And they do take November, December off. Yeah, right. So. So, uh, so typically that's what you do. You can go for two weeks and then people can come back and, and whatever, but typically that's what it is. A team goes in, they do their work, they leave, another team comes in. What's really cool about it is they've done a really good job of, of passing the torch, basically. So you're on video conferences um, with the team from, that is, uh, you know, the doctors in, in, at Umhimbili, Muhimbili um, Hospital, and then one of the physicians who is heading up, there's one IR doc that goes over, and they're basically in charge, and what's cool about that is they're finding doctors that specialize in certain things, so some are better at IV lines, some are better at um, Y90s and UFEs and all those different procedures, if they specialize in those, then they're going to bring that to the facility and yeah. really try to find cases that that you know help with their um, their specialty. And so that physician is heading up uh, the plan, and then we all meet uh, and talk, you know, on the um, computer uh, via like Zoom or something. And then that's pretty much how you get your handoff. And then yeah. they debrief you, and the tech that comes home will give you a list of things to you know watch out for to understand they'll give you a little key phrases of of things to say um in swahili and and help you with that and then off you go i actually when we were there one of the things i did remember i created a google doc that for other teams coming in like we're all kind of like i started it and then moving forward writing down you know while you're here go to this restaurant or go here like things to like do too mm-hmm. while you were in the right area that we were like ah, yeah because like I always want to know okay like where are we going to dinner you know right um okay let's get into the logistical stuff that's yeah. a good time so kind of just wanted to do a quick run do or run do <laughs> a rundown of you know the preparations and as far as like yeah we went to Tanzania what does it look like the the cost that kind of thing the cost will be different depending um and this is something we'll talk to Beth more about, Mm -hmm. but there are levels you can have it paid for. You can pay for it yourself. Uh, And and obviously if you're willing to pay for it yourself, the chances of you going are going to be much uh, faster than if you need it paid for things like that. But those are things we'll get into with Beth. But for us, our trip was sponsored by Yale. Yale Rad Aid and the ASRT. Yeah. So that means that our flights were paid for. And because, again, this was such a new project, mm-hmm. too. And so, um, and because you met him, and they really wanted us to be involved and in, in all of that. And so um, that meant that our flights were paid for. And then the the place where we stayed. Now, the place, so I guess just our flights were paid for. Because no matter what, your housing is, is taken care of. Mm-hmm. So we were responsible for our food, spending money, anything we did outside of the hospital. That's what we were in charge of financially. Right. But they paid for our plane tickets to get yes, there. which was fantastic. Yeah. So we so they got us this. I mean, okay, so we're going to Tanzania. I've never been. I've never been to the continent of Africa before. I didn't really know what to expect. And we were like, you know... I, and this might sound, I don't know, but I thought maybe we'd be roughing it a little bit, right? And we were just kind of open for whatever. 
they ended up putting us up in like this beautiful condo. <laughs> yeah. Like it was, it was like a Miami condo that overlooked the Indian Ocean, like uh-huh. with a porch that overlooked the with city views and the yeah the night like, lights of the city. And wow. I mean, it was incredible. It was, I mean, it was absolutely beautiful. And Dar es Salaam is a, it means a huge, massive city. Uh-huh. Like. It was a big, I didn't, I thought we were going to maybe a small, I knew it was a city, but I wasn't expecting like. Yeah. No. And what was funny was the condo was even on top of a really good restaurant. So the restaurant wasn't um, like a local restaurant. I mean, I, I guess there was, was some. For there. Westerners. It was for West, but it was perfect because. Prices were for Westerners. Right. Because of what we were doing in the long hours, which we'll get into, it was nice having that restaurant there because we could just return to our condo, go down there, grab a bite to eat. The food was amazing. Oh my God. It was I so absolutely good. loved it. Honestly, I didn't have a bad meal the entire time no. we were there. Like, we ate so well. Um, it, it was absolutely fantastic. And I was worried because I was such a picky eater. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I ate great. Healthy. And I, the, My only complaint with the food is that the coffee in Tanzania is horrible. Capital H. I love you guys. I love everything else about your country. But y'all do not do coffee. They're very tea forward. Well, yeah, they love their tea. Big so we British would have influence. tea in the morning. But, uh, like, at work, but we, the coffee was instant. And it wasn't just instant. It was, like, so bitter and... and thick. Oh, it was yeah. just, like, tar. Yeah. Ugh. But I do want to... I just thought about this. I want to touch on something. Um, the flight was arranged. So when you give your time, they book your flight for you. Um, I guess because, you know, they were paying for it, which was really nice. So that was all set up for us. But the cool thing is... Is for all of you that are like, oh, was it safe? And and did you feel safe? And did you feel this and that? Like they walked us through what to expect in customs when we got there. Um, we were met by two of the residents mm-hmm. who picked us up from the airport with the driver. Uh, they got us new SIM cards while we were there. So they do all the talking for you and the negotiating. Um, we had our driver there who drove us to our condo, got us set up. Everything was just, it just felt so easy. It was insane. And they do such a good job. They organize everything. And one of the head 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 physicians is from Tanzania. And so he knows the area really well. He's, according to our driver, he's kind of like a celebrity in Tanzania. Mm -hmm. So that helps as well. Um, But they really did a great job of making us feel just like right at home from the beginning. There wasn't any time that I felt like, oh my gosh, like we're out on our own. Like, what do we do? Everything was just guided and just felt so, so awesome. Yeah, they they definitely make it easy. You know, you're not, they figure it out for you. And you're you're having these meetings prepping uh, until you leave. And so you're getting all your questions asked. And it was very just, it, it was smooth. It was easy. And it definitely, you know, you and I are travelers, but for someone who's never even traveled before, navigated, you know, those kinds of situations or finding your transportation and all of that, it, they, they made it easy for people, they which did. is huge. Yeah. Um, with the condo, so we went with a team of five, which we're going to get into, but we all shared a condo. Mm-hmm. So again, Aaron and I didn't get to crash in this like, you know, all by ourselves. We were with our whole team. Our team of five shared it. And it, oh, the, the, remember the first night that we got there? Oh, so yeah. Aaron and I got in early. We got in early and how, that was like a really long flight. I don't remember how far it was. But it was like we were a 36 like, hour travel. Yeah. Day. Like we, we were like pooped by yeah. the time we got there. 
so we went and like we walked around. We were the first ones of the team. The rest of the people were coming the next day. So we had like the whole night to ourselves. So we went and we walked around a little bit and then we came back to our condo and the bedroom that we were going to sleep in, the air conditioning wasn't working. Oh. And when you're in Africa, it's freaking hot. Okay? Yeah. Like we're from Florida. We're used to that. So like we kind of knew what to expect, but I was blown away by like the humidity and just mm-hmm. everything was still. Mm-hmm. It was so hot. So not having air conditioning, we're like exhausted. So all we can think about is taking a hot shower, crawling into bed, sleeping the night away, waking up refreshed, hitting the ground running. Our air conditioning in our bedroom didn't work. And the we we said there was no hot water, but it was just because we didn't turn on the switch. Yeah. So we took freezing cold But that showers. was actually helpful because the air condition wasn't working, so it was nice. So we took freezing cold showers, like, damn, we have no hot water, like, what are we going to do? And we ended up, like, dragging our uh, our mattress out into the living room, and we slept under the air conditioning oh, in the living room. Oh, so good. I think that was, like, probably the best sleep of my whole life. Yeah. But we were like, holy crap, is it going to be like this the whole time? Because... It, it's so hot. Mm-hmm. And then anyways, the next day they swip, they swapped out our condo and then we got We just went one. right next door. Yeah. It was yeah. so, and that was even like a step up because that view was way better. Oh it was so nice. And then because Kim and I were the only married couple, we got the big room. So that yeah. was even better. So we had our own like big living space, but everybody had a room. Um, two of the people, uh, the nurse that we went with from Johns Hopkins, Holly and... Um, I called her Bukito Uno. Um, she was a med student from Yale. Um, oh my gosh, I just went blank. What was Jason Himmel? Jason and um, uh, Nadia. Nadia. I, I like, oh, oh we can never remember her real name because we only called her Bukito Uno. Yeah, which is a little <laughs> one if for all of you that don't know. But um, they shared a room, and then Jason, uh, Doctor Himmel, had his own room. So it was it was a nice setup. Yeah, it was fantastic. And so we all basically, I was like, it's funny because it's like the real world. Because we all came together. None of us knew each other, right? We didn't know each other at all. And we all did calls, but we weren't, you know. Face to face. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when we met, you know, it's like you never know how it's going to be. We're all living together. It's not like, oh, we work together and we get to go our separate ways. We did everything together. And we were working very long days. Mm -hmm. Very, very long days. Like this ain't no like, oh, I'm going to fart around for two hours and then take off and go explore the sites. Like we worked harder than I've ever worked in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we were together all day at work and then coming home and all of that. But what was I saying? Just it's like the real world. Oh, but we clicked. Like, oh yeah, we were family. Like mm-hmm. I call Jason dad at this yeah. point. Like, like we we just clicked. Like it was like one of those things where you look back and you're like, I I that I can't imagine of going with another group because that group was we were made for each other. Yeah. We all just like got each other. We meshed like. There was a just an underlying kind of like camaraderie from like the second we hugged and connected. Mm-hmm. Remember and we I got think, to hug people? Yeah, a lot of people. I know. What was that like? I just I just remember too. I just know a lot of the people that have gone have said that, in, you know, obviously it's different groups of people, but they've mm-hmm. all bonded as well. So yeah, once you're like right, out of, of the country, you're focused on a, a collateral mission together um you just bond and it's it's literally a bond that will never be broken i mean when kim and i got back from africa we were driving over to california to start our contract 
we stopped in Kansas City yeah. to go see Dr. Himmel, and he took us to eat Kansas City oh, barbecue, and we met his family, so good. and it was just, it's awesome, and we'll always be connected. We're still in contact with everybody that we went on the trip with. Oh, yeah, and I think, too, because we were we were the third group to go, so, like, we were starting from the bottom. There was no foundation built, right? It was still, like, we were, we had to be scrappy, and mm-hmm. and so I think that kind of bonded us even more because like we were you know working 12 13 hour days we were you know sweating our asses out there's no air conditioning we were you know we were just like in it together mm-hmm. as like a, as a team and yeah. i think yeah it was just well, and I think that the, was like what made the whole experience for me was like that group of people and then not to mention the overall resp- response from the workers at Muhambili hospital um they were life-changing i mean just the most friendliest welcoming they did everything for us lunch was provided every single day Mm -hmm. the team would all eat together we would all sit in the room they took us out to dinner they wanted like that's the biggest thing that i love the most about this project is they don't want you to just come and work because you are working don't get me wrong Mm -hmm. but they want you to experience tanzania and experience the culture and they see to it that you know, the residents and the team, like we would go out to dinner and the entire department would come. Even the president of the department would come to dinner with us, which is crazy. And we just had so much fun and got to know them so well. And they're just extended family as well. No, the people 100% made this. And like, they, oh my gosh, like we still talk to them on like Instagram. You know, I love Instagram. I know. But these are like the coolest freaking people. And uh, so I guess just to kind of put some context around it too, so Aaron, as I are, I'm obviously ultrasound. Holly is a nurse. Nadia is a medical student, and then Jason was obviously the um, attending. He was the radiologist, and so that was our group. And so the whole point of us going was that Billy Hospital was building the first ever IR department, like we said, and so they have their own residents, the radiologists, and so we're going to help train the people, the the local people of Dar es Salaam. We're going to help train them to help them build the IR department so that it can be self-sustaining, right? Mm -hmm. Because right now they are relying on, you know, people coming and training them and also people donating supplies. So the goal is to come and teach everything that everybody knows to help build a successful, thriving department so that in four years, they'll be able to just handle this and sustain it on their own. So like Jason, Dr. Himmel, was training the residents in cases. Aaron was training the IR techs, right? I was helping with that. Nadia was building a system to help uh, track supplies. And, and helping the physicians and as well. The understand the documentation that goes involved with it, all, all everything that goes in with that. Yeah. And then Holly was training the nurses. So we were all there training the local people and then building systems and building the supply chain and the supply room, which is like, oh, that was like a whole nother experience. Yeah, we literally had to count every supply and they were doing a really good job of getting supplies donated. And then we even met with the supply chain coordinator at the hospital and talked to them about getting supplies in and setting up how they can get in touch with the reps from these different companies and start buying their own supplies and how they would organize it. And so 
Um, Nadia, Kim, and myself went in and reorganized the entire supply room. Wait, can we, like, we gotta, we gotta paint what this looks like, because this okay. was insanity. Like, well, they could watch the video, too. Yeah, so watch the YouTube video to, like, put it in perspective, but we, they had a closet, not even, it was a tiny little room, and imagine walking in and it's boxes and boxes, like thousands and thousands and thousands of individual of individual wires and needles and you know drains, drains and biopsy guns and in trays and it's nothing is organized, nothing it's in its place. It's like they got shipments from people donating and they basically just threw it into this closet. There was no rhyme or reason. There was some some there. Very little. Now granted <laughs> to this your is standards. Like, yeah, this is like my wet dream because I'm like, ooh, like organizing. Like I was like, I'm going to sink my teeth into this. Like I'm so excited. But then... Well, I, went, I was going to say, I went to Africa with Kim and came back with like Monica Geller from I, Friends. I think you already left with Monica. Yeah. But it was like Monica when she's off her CBD. Yeah. Like to the next level. Yeah, pretty you know? much. Because it, it was like, once you actually got in there, it was like incredibly tedious, incredibly overwhelming because all the packages look the same. So you have to... Well, really, to you. Yeah, I, and I'm not an IR tech. I left there an IR tech. You I did. mean, I think I would be a pretty awesome IR Supply tech. chain. Yeah. IR tech. Hey, I, I helped out in procedures, too. But you know procedures in general anyway from doing ultrasound. Right. So it wasn't like I knew nothing about it. But um, it was... So then we basically organized all of the supplies. So everything had its place. So if they were doing a, you know... A stent if they were doing a gallbladder thing. <laughs> I forgot. There goes your IR tech. Biliary drain. Okay. Neph drain. Neph tube. Yep. All of that, right? Yep. Every, they're like, oh, gotta go get the supplies. And everything they needed was right there. And we organized it in like boxes and just yeah. wrote on it with pen. Now we did tape and put it on the wall so it had its own oh, place. Yeah. And obviously, the label maker. obviously, that's developed. Hopefully, um, down the road. I mean, it's been almost a year. Oh, it's over a year since we've been there. Um, And so they were really building that along. But again, we were the third team. So then (laughs) Nadia was building a computer system that would track all of the all of the supplies used. So then after the after it was used in a case, they could go in to the system and basically it was a very detailed Excel spreadsheet. And I built uh, paper. That if they did get behind or they got busy, they could just mark off what supplies they used and then go back in at the end of the day and mark it down because they had to stay up with it or else the other team would come in and it would just be chaos. That's crazy though. Like if you really think about it, you know, the intention, obviously the technology is supposed to, you know, take over this part. But like writing down, okay, I use three of these, like I use four of these. I Like that ain't going to happen, you know? Right. Like. If you think about a busy department, just go, 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 and every second you're having to write down every single thing you used and keep track of. Well, like we, that's what we had to do at Stanford Children's when we first built that. Yeah, I mean, I guess it was crazy. Yeah, we had books and we would just go through every day and mark down what we did. And I'm so spoiled. Yeah, I can't it, even like fathom. But let's get into what a day looked like. Okay, so the gist of kind of like what a day looks like. Now we worked Monday through Friday. Fridays were like a half day usually, or they were supposed to be. Yeah, we basically worked four days a week. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess because... The, la- the first the last... Friday we took off and the last right. Friday. Okay. 
Jason went in, but we were hung. Me you and, and Jason. Jason went in, but we were hungover, so we didn't have to go in. Yeah. <laughs> we it wasn't all just work, guys. We actually had a lot of fun. Um, Man, there. Oh, that first night we went out, and they. Well, we went out one night, and they they took us to a sushi restaurant right on the water. It was beautiful. And we all just hung out and sat at the table and had a really good night. But they said that we couldn't get too crazy because the next night uh, we were going to try unagi. No, unagi is what? Kun- <laughs> That's from Ross yeah. Keller. Kunagi. Kunyagi. Kunyagi. <laughs> yeah. It's a. It's basically like a vodka, but Disgusting. it's. Disgusting. I actually enjoyed it, uh, but um, it's there. They say that it just gets you crazy, um, and so we all went out to. Uh, we went out to one of their like local places. Stood for fish, fish, and I they basic uh, baka baka. No, you're making that samaki, up. Samaki, 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 samaki. My brain, brilliant. It's just brilliant. Yeah, samaki, samaki. No, not just beautiful face. Um, yeah, no, they took us out, and and again, this is it, it's crazy to me because I'm such like a. a like, I, I go to bed early. Like, I'm not, you You're know. a baby grandma. Yeah, exactly. And we would work 12 hours, and then all of us still go out. Like, I don't know how we had the energy for it. Because you're excited. Yeah, because it was just, like, such a vibe. But they took us out, and, like, they made us all take shots. It we got had wild. live music going. We were singing in the rain. Listening, With the band. Listening to, um... I bless the, the rings, like just moments, you yeah. know, just moments. They let us play their instruments, and then that was the night we decided to create our own mercy ship oh my God. called Rad Rocks. And we, we were like, we were going to steal a boat and build out IR department. Oh, it was, it was it fun. It was one of the best days, but then the next day, we're so freaking hungover, all of us. And Jason, Dr. Himmel, like, doesn't even really drink. He, we were all... He got up and went for a run that morning. He's, so, yeah, what he's, a, he's next level. Geez. We were all... It's like a machine. It was like naked wasted. And the next day we were supposed to work, but we were leaving to go on a safari. That Like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we were leaving to go do the safari up in the north. So we were flying up there to go do it. And so we were. the plan was just to go into the hospital for a couple hours and we were going to leave. The girls weaseled their way we out were, of it. We, and we like talked him into it while we, he was still drunk. So well, like, you know what you said. What? We'll pack your bags and have everything ready yeah. for you guys and we'll pick you up at... And we'll just, everything will be done. We'll even grab lunch and have yeah. a little snack for the road. But we're like, the girls should sleep in. Like, we'll handle the stuff. <laughs> so we, we weaseled our way into the girls got to sleep in. The boys went to work for a couple of hours. And then we all went on a plane and flew up to the north to go on a safari. And I was so hungover that I was literally, like, puking all over the, <laughs> the hospital. Yeah. And, <laughs> and the, the air- hospital, too. In the airport, yeah. Wow. Kunagi don't play, bro. No. That was horrible. Yeah. Okay. That That's like a whole nother... It is. ...experience. We are going to actually talk about, I guess, what, like, while we're just on the subject, and then we'll get into, like, what our yeah. day looked like. But while we're here, uh, the cool part is, is, like, yes, you're working during the week, but on the weekends, so you typically you're there for two weeks. We stayed for three weeks because that last week we went to Zanzibar, which is an island off Tanzania. It's amazing. The Spice Island. The Spice Island. Um, it's incredible. It's insanely beautiful. The water is just like, oh my yeah. god. But the first weekend, you get to go do something, and they they also ha- they helped us figure this out. Like the one of the main guys hooked us up with uh, his friend that does a safari in Tanzania. So like they helped us plan. So they're like, you have one weekend, you can go to Zanzibar, you can do safari. What do you want to do? And they help coordinate the things. So that was really helpful too. Yeah. And uh, you obviously have to pay for it, but you do get, you get, 
that time to go do something really cool. Like you're in freaking Tanzania. Right. Like you're in Africa. Like take advantage of that. And so we flew up to the north and we did um, a safari. We went to the Gorongoro Crater. We didn't get to go all the way into the Serengeti. But where we went was like the gateway into the Serengeti. But we didn't get to go all the way in because we were on a time crunch. Because well, we had to get back an- to work. That's another thing. Like we weren't, we didn't know what to expect because Dr. Minja, who's the guy that's in, in ahead of it, he had a friend who, you know, does safaris hooked us up they picked us up from the airport they arranged our flight for us we just paid for it go ahead Uh, so we land and again hungover hello so hungover feeling better but still not feeling my best absolutely starving and they said that they were going to pick us they were going to have a lunch (laughs) like when they picked us up from the airport so again you have to understand what kim thinks is a lunch is like literally like a public sub like a like a bag of chips and no, a normal a, lunch, a fruit. just food, like normal food. Like <laughs> I was joking. I wasn't being your... picky. I just thought we were getting like a lunch, and he picked Peter. He was the most incredible oh. guy in the world. Like I literally, we still will see contact. him again. Yeah, yeah, we still talk to him. We're gonna do a camping trip with him in the Serengeti. And we just, we, he's an entrepreneur. Like he was just like the coolest guy. Like we spent three days with this guy. Just such a gentle soul. Just, just oh, soft. Love, and, and so smart. So smart and knowledgeable and just like he friendly and always smiling. Just, oh, just, just such a cool guy. Yeah. yeah. And so we basically just talked and talked and talked and talked. And we learned so much about the culture and the area and the animals. Yeah. Anyways. He picks us up. Now we have, was it five hours? Four hours, but of, it ended up being five and a half. So five and a half hour drive from the airport to where we are staying for the night to get ready the next morning to go into the crater. So we had to go pretty far out. He picks us up and I'm like, cool, like where's lunch? You know, I'm like so excited. And he gives us a banana. Uh-huh. I'm sorry. I don't think most people would think a banana is banana a lunch. Banana and Sprite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he had like a bag of soda. And yeah. I was like... Are you crazy? But again, it's just like, and I was like, dude, is this it? You know, like, you know, he's like, oh, enjoy your banana. And I'm like, (laughs) but again, it's incredible. Like just the mindset where I was like, wow, I don't have a choice. Like buck up. We all gathered together. We had some nuts. So we all put our like nuts together and we had nuts. We put our nuts together. (laughs) Okay. We weren't that close. I mean, we were pretty close, but... I, I mean, I feel like if it came down to it, like, <laughs> we, we we would have been okay with just, like, gobbling up. <laughs> okay. Anyways. I just, just got like, weird. Just, like, the sweat. Okay, <laughs> babe. Salt, okay, babe. I mean, okay. Anyways, so we all, like, gathered together, but it was like, okay, you just kind of, like, I settled in, and I was like, this is it. And honestly, banana is a superfood, because I had the banana, I, I instantly felt better. You yeah, know? but the thing is, is, it was supposed to be four hours, but we kept getting pulled over by the police, um, and they would talk to our driver, and then he would come back and just giggle and say, you know, oh, they saw this, you know, truck, and they realized that I didn't, somebody didn't pay a ticket that for months, and yeah. they, you know, and so just I guess the, the, the company knows that this happens because they know there's tourists in there. And so the company pays the fine, and then off we go. And then we got stopped again, and they said we needed an escort um, up the mountain for, you know, five minutes. And basically, they had to arrange... That took forever. Well, and here's the thing. A, how terrifying is it to be in another country, get pulled over by cops with guns peeking in your windows, like staring at you... Peter, our guide, is out speaking Swahili, which none of us know how to 
we don't understand it. And they're all speaking together in a different language. You can tell the tones are, are angry. And we have no idea. But Peter was, that's what we would listen yeah, to. So is his, his fluctuation. He would start laughing and we're like, okay, we're good. But then Peter would come in and be like, it's okay, guys. Yeah, everything, everything's okay. Like, what the hell? Yeah. And, and so it, it was very scary because we're like, you know, are they going to like take us? Or, you know, you, are they going to steal our stuff? Like, you just never know and you don't understand the language. And so that was like really sketchy, but Peter's like, it's okay. This happens all the time. And so he explained it and, and we all felt a little bit more relaxed of, yeah, you know, we were perfectly fine. But then the last time we got pulled over, we were almost there. We were literally like 10 minutes away. Again, at this point, we're all like cannibals. We're like yeah. eating each other. <laughs> okay. I mean, okay. <laughs> we're just having like a great time. And we're almost there. It's black. It's dark out at this point. And we get pulled over again. And this time, you know, it didn't seem like fun. Like, it, <laughs> not that the first one felt fun, but it seemed more serious. And we couldn't, like, hear anything that was really going on. We could just see them. And so, yeah, Peter came back and said, oh, we have to wait for an escort because they're saying it's too dangerous for us to be on the road. And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? So we had to sit and wait for the escort. Again, starving. And then the escort finally got there, literally stayed behind us for like two seconds and then left. And they left us front, alone they on were in the front dark. Of us yeah. And then waved us through with a flashlight. Yeah. And then like off we went. I was like, this is some bullshit. But what was crazy was we pulled into where they set us up to stay uh, and it was like a paradise. Oh it was God. in the valley of the mountains. It was little bungalows. Uh, not even little. They were massive yeah. bungalows with big back porches. And then they do family style dinner and breakfast. Uh, Every morning, every night. And so they would just bring out five to six courses and you could have as much as you want. Mm -hmm. They would just keep coming by. Like, would you like more? Would you like more? Would you like more? It was so worth it because I was so hungry that I just loved every single bite. But that resort was amazing. And, no, the whole experience was like absolutely the coolest thing we've ever done. And so, yeah, that's one of the, like, wherever you're going to do a trip, I think it's so important, like, if you can, and again, we are healthcare workers, so we can take more time off, like, we took three months, or three weeks, and really use that to go and explore the area that you're in, because again, they want you to, they're like, they love it, right, they love their country, like, explore, we have so much to offer, like, they love when people come and get to take advantage of what they have to offer, so get out there, and really explore the area, that was mm -hmm. like, you know, the work work was amazing, but just, like, being immersed in the culture in Tanzania. And that was the other thing about working there is that we weren't there as tourists or travelers. We were there with the locals. So they were taking us to all their places, and they were telling us all the things to do from a local's point of view, not just us trying to figure it out from, like, blogs or, you know, TripAdvisor. Right. And, and that, that is so cool. And that was another bonus too, is we were assigned a driver. So no matter what we wanted to do, when we wanted to do it, we could call our driver yeah. and they, he would be there to pick us up. Okay, well, the first day when he picked us up. <laughs> it wasn't the first day. It was like the first week. <laughs> no, it was the first day. And it was the little... No, it was the first day because you you, t you were taping it. It was our first day getting in there because we were we um, videoed our commute into work because it was insane, the traffic. And so we filmed it because... <laughs> they sent... There was obviously five of us. They sent like was... a... They said like a smart car. It was literally like smaller than a smart car. We're like, how are we supposed to? Like Kim sat on my lap. Like Nadia sat on Holly's lap. And Jason sat up front, but he had to like pull his seat so far up that his like knees were in his chest. 
<laughs> and the driver just acted like nothing well, was everything was good. He that wasn't our normal driver, it was another one and he didn't speak English. Yeah. So it was just like we were just like, What the hell? <laughs> and again, it's so hot. And yeah. they didn't never put on the air conditioning. Well, when you're driving, like it was nice. It was not. I enjoyed it. Oh my god! Every time we got to the hospital, I was in like a like a full sweat. Okay, because you, okay. you're sweating now. <laughs> you forget. You how quickly you forget. Okay, so let's just get into the gist of kind of like what a work day looked like for yeah, us. Yeah, let's do it. So that's what we were gonna do, but we got into the we safari. Got sidetracked. I know. And we didn't even talk about Zanzibar. We, we went to Zanzibar. There. It was absolutely Gosh. phenomenal. We did that on our own. We stayed in a little beach hut. And we went to The Rock, which you should go to. Oh, my God. The Rock is a restaurant in the middle of the Indian Ocean. And they get, they take you on, like, a boat where these guys pulled you out. Because now I kind of feel like we have to tell this story. That was, like, one of my favorite things okay. we did. Tell it, then. I'll tell it real quick. So okay. okay. So, The Rock is this really cool restaurant. It's in the middle of the ocean. And when we first got there, so we stayed at this, like, little beach bungalow that had, like, no air conditioning. It was, like, a thatch door and, like, a roof. Like, it was pretty rusty. When we first got there, we literally were, we said, okay, we're not going to stay here because there was no light coming in. Yeah, there wasn't electricity or anything. Yes, there was, <laughs> babe. It was just basically a beach hut, but the ocean was, like, right ten there. steps from our... From our little hut. There was which no was air conditioning. Amazing. So Kim and I knew of this like really nice resort that we were going to go down to. And so we were like, we don't care how much it costs. We just worked for a couple of weeks. We're going to go and stay there. But come to find out those were like individual bungalows and they were booked up. No, but I'm so glad we stayed there. Exactly. Because we were like, I don't like stay there. There's no air conditioning. And like, I'm so glad we did because it ended up being like such a fun experience. It was amazing. But so right up from the beach from our bungalow was the rock. And so this, we saw a picture, we actually found this in a magazine while we were flying out to the Serengeti. And I was like, oh my gosh, this looks like really cool. And it's this restaurant and it, the, all the pictures make it look like it's in the middle of the ocean. And it's like so cool. And it has like, it's shaped like a boat kind of, like it's on a rock, but the rock kind of looks like a boat. And there's this cool deck. You sit outside, you're in the ocean, it's supposed to have like incredible food. Like it's this whole experience. I was like, I really want to go there. So, hence why we even went to that area and stayed in this beach hut. So, we go down to, like, check out the rock, and it was low, 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 low tide. And it was basically just, like, this rock sitting in the middle of the sand. Yeah, and it was literally, like, the ocean was, I would have to say, 10, 11 football fields away. So, I was like... How is the tide going to come in this far? Yeah, we're like, this is ridiculous. Like, there's, like, a little bit of water around it, like a moat. And I'm like, you know, and low tide isn't always the prettiest either. And I was like, this is hideous. Like, (laughs) we came all the way here. Like, we can walk there, you Mm -hmm. know. We don't need a boat Yeah, like, what the hell? Like, I was like, they, you know, the magazine's, like, full of, like, lies. (laughs) And we were there during a super moon. So the tides were, like, super um, far out. Extreme. Yeah, they were extreme. They were extreme. So anyways, as the day goes on, the water starts coming and we're like, okay, cool, like whatever, like it, there's water coming around it, but it still doesn't look like it in the pictures, whatever. Come, like fast forward into the night, like the tide came in so much, it was like a, like a wave pool, even yeah. to, like you could not have swam there. It was like so far out and it was, oh, I guess yeah. you could have swam well, there. Well, those but... two people did, which again, there's a visual, we, we filmed our entire time at this, at this beach hut yeah. and, um, at going to the rock. Yeah. So you can actually get a visual of what we're talking about because we actually showed how low the tide was. And then we went back after swimming in the pool and in the ocean for, you know, that whole day, we went back to go change to go to dinner. And when we came out of our beach hut, we looked and the water was hitting the rocks 
that we used to walk oh, down yeah. the beach. We couldn't even get there. No, it took us, it was like a journey, like an Indiana Jones yeah. mission. It was awesome though. Like, so we ended up getting in the boat and like yeah. going out there, got naked wasted. Then we got to like stumble back on the beach to our beach hut, like dance under the moon. Like, it was great. It was, oh, it was so cool. Zanzibar, definitely go to Zanzibar. Well, and we explored the whole thing because the first couple nights we, the team came with us. Yeah. Um, and we explored the Spice Island and what was like the north corner. Well, the, the whole thing's called the Spice Island, but, um, the spice market. Stone like, Town. Stone Town. Is like the main town. It has yeah. like all the spice markets and um, really cool stuff. Yeah, there. so we stayed there with the team for the last night at a beautiful little resort. And, we had and to then say bye. and then we had to say bye to everybody. And so then Kim and I took a ride down to the rock, which was on the other side of the island. Yeah. So we got to explore the whole island. Oh, that was so cool. Oh, it was epic. Okay. Uh, I just want to say too, it is Muslim, so something like I you know, they do things differently as far as, like, dress and things like that. And so it was, like, something you really have to, like, respect and be aware of. Like, don't just walk around in short shorts yeah. and bathing suits and stuff like that. So you want to keep covered. Well, I mean, your and, shoulders covered. Yeah. But, I mean, you did respectful. wear jean shorts. Yeah, I did. Because Dar es Salaam is a lot more progressive mm -hmm. than a lot of the other areas. And yeah. so in the city of Dar es Salaam... Um, we were fine. Well, when it comes to, like, safety and stuff, I never, like, felt unsafe. I felt, like, incredibly and just... And we walked around the city. Oh, yeah. We went, we walked around, we went everywhere, and I never felt in fear of my no. life or anything like that. The people were so kind and, um... I mean, we stood out. Friendly. <laughs> well, I, but the first day we got there, when it was just Aaron and I, and we, did, we went straight from, like, the airport, and we went and walked around. I was wearing jean shorts, and... The only time I felt uncomfortable was I was, I got a lot of attention because my shorts were over my knees and I, people were like staring at me and I felt really uncomfortable and pe I, I just got weird vibes. And so I never wore those again. And then I felt completely fine. Yeah. Yeah. So be respectful to how exactly. they dress. That's exactly. the thing. Wherever you're going in the world. All right. All right. So just now... of our day. <laughs> Holy shit, bro. I know. This is a long one. This is like long winded, but you can pause it and keep on with your yeah, life yeah. and come back to it if, if you If you're want. interested, you'll listen. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so the gist of our day. What did our actual day look like? So we had to be at work at 7.30. Um, our driver would come and pick us up, sometimes on time, sometimes more so than not. Pole, pole. Oh, pole, pole. Which is slow, slow. That's why he leave for slow, slow. And like, that's just like the, the personality of the... Yeah, they are not in a rush. Nope. It's very island time. Yeah. Like whatever, pole, pole. And like, it's pole, funny because like, you know, as Americans, like... like you go, know, go, 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 go. Well, and I clock... If I have to be at work at 7.30, I clock in, I walk in, I put my coffee down. I'm usually getting right into the swing. Patience, let's go. Like, it's kind of like you just get right into it. Like, you're starting your day. There, it's like, we'd get there, well, you know, good. well, we're going to get into it, but we would do a meeting, but then it's like, oh, let's go get breakfast. Oh, yeah. let's go get some tea. You know, where Jason, the radiologist, is like, hello, we should be starting a case yeah, right now. why are we starting at 11? Where's our pay? Yeah, and like, they'd be like, oh, after lunch. Yeah. You know, it was just like way more chill than, than we were used to. Yeah. So that was funny. But typically, we were supposed to start at 7.30. Mm -hmm. Traffic was insane. It was. The commute, it was just like... You know, no rhyme or reason. Everybody's going in all the different directions. It was it was pretty... Uh, Organized chaos. Yeah. It took a long time to get there yeah. because of all the but traffic. I loved our commute. And it was like it was my nice. favorite part. I loved just like looking out the windows and yeah. everybody. Like it was really... All the kids going to school. And the markets. And the markets, and, yeah. Um, okay, so then we would get there and we would, you know, get chapati. Oh, uh, chapati. 
Chapati. Oh my gosh, it's like the bat. It's like their version of kind of like a pancake slash non. It was honestly, I dream. It was like soft as a pancake, but like durable, like a non. So every morning we would have chapati and samosas and tea for breakfast, Mm -hmm. and we'd typically go together or you know whatever, break off in groups and go, and then we would do daily meetings where the residents, uh, the local residents, would present their cases to our radiologist, and they would go over the exams for the day, which is. One of the most funnest things we did because the residents, that's part of their learning, right? They have to be able to work up these cases. And so Dr. Himmel would like press them. Like, what are things that we should be watching out for? What are risks that could go on? What are things that you need to be prepared for to tell your team to work? So it was a lot of fun to really be in the nitty gritty of it. I'm used to it because I work in a lot of uh, teaching facilities. So it it was fun to see. Um, But I love that. So like we all would kind of talk and he would ask me different things and I'd be able to get involved. And it was just, it was I learned so much. <laughs> yeah, no. I felt my brain just yeah. like, like as he was explaining things and like, okay, why are we going to do this procedure? Like, what's the objective here? What's your, like your direction? What's your, like, I was just like, I, I felt like I, I'm a doctor. <laughs> like I literally am a radiologist at this ground. point. Oh, yeah. I found it fascinating. It I was. was. It was so, I it's, had never been a part of that. So it was very interesting to me. It's my favorite part of working in teaching facilities because yeah. the attendings are always teaching the fellows. I and, love that. And to get ready for the day. And so we all would sit in at like, Harborview and Stanford and all the and Yale and you would hear them talking yeah. about the day and so you know what you're going into you know what your caseload is but you also understand why we're doing it and it's so detailed that it's really cool yeah it, it was pretty neat so we would start every morning with that and then that would determine how many cases that we would do every single day so he might say like we're not going to do that case because x y and z right it was all these teaching moments and so we'd pick the cases that we are going to do and then the goal was then to start the cases, start bringing the patients down um, and get started with the day. And pole, so, pole. Pole, pole, man. Yeah. But like, you know, while, so we were doing cases, obviously, so getting set up for cases, teaching the techs how to get set up. How to think ahead. How to think ahead, how to organize things. So we're going through all of that with them while also working on the supply closet. Um, and Holly, the nurse, is working with the, how do you, Pre-op your patient, yeah, how do you post-op, yep. how do you get set up, how do you make sure they're safe, how do you work with the anesthesiologist if we need them. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was it was a lot. It was a lot, and we did a lot of cases because people knew we were there, and so they wanted to come, and they wanted to get, you know, again, this is the coolest thing about what we were doing is that putting, creating an IR department there, we were able to truly, like, save people's, like, like we were, because by the time people got to us, they were already, like, really on their last leg, unfortunately, but as they're implementing these down in the years, the work that they, the procedures they get to do in IR will save people's lives. Yeah. Genuinely save people's lives and that are dying for simple reasons that they would never die in the United States for. And if I'm not mistaken, you know, one, that was the only IR department in East Africa. The yeah. only other one was in South Africa. Right. And so, and somewhere else, I think in North Africa or whatever. I don't but know, but it was the only one in It was East the only Africa. one. And so people were coming from miles and these people would have to, the entire family would save money to get them to the hospital. They would make week-long journeys to get there. And then once they got there, they would just sit and wait. And it was just nuts to see how patient these people were. They would just sit out in the waiting room and just hope they got seen for the day. And Yeah, then, no appointments, no, no schedule. No appointments. Yeah. And then they felt... 
uh, so blessed that we were there. They said it was a gift from God that they were able to be treated by us. Mm -hmm. um, and they felt like God was watching out for them, which was a really cool feeling that, you know, they, they felt like, you know, and they were, they were getting trained, getting well, treatment by the best. And, and so we wanted to do as many cases as possible, right? Cause you want to treat as many people while we're there for the two weeks, because after the two weeks we leave and there's a lull before the next team comes and we would walk in in the morning, there'd be hundreds and hundreds of people just in our waiting room, waiting, knowing that you can't get to everybody and that, I mean, in the inpatients, we did tons of inpatients. Um, and they're sitting out there with no air conditioning, no uh, bathrooms. It's like a squatter, which is mm -hmm. a whole nother well, thing. Well, that's their normal. That, right. Yeah, that's true. That's their normal. So they're not used ours, to it. But not theirs. mine. Right. But no air conditioning. And they're just laying there and they're sick. And, and this is something I wanted to point out, too, is like here, you know, if I'm sick and I'm like, babe, gosh, I don't feel well. He puts me in the car and takes me up to the hospital and go to the ER, whether I have insurance or not, and we go from there, right? Like, I get I get treated right away, where these people don't have that luxury because many of them are coming from hundreds and hundreds of miles away all over East Africa, not just Dar es Salaam, which is the city, but they, a lot of people don't live there, you know? And so they're having to travel for, you know, days and days and days, and many of them don't have money. They don't have a vehicle they can just pop into, and so... Once somebody becomes ill, the whole village comes together to try to raise money and create a plan to bring these people to the hospital. And, yeah. and that can take a long time to gather. So unfortunately, by the time people make it to this hospital, many of them are on their way out. Like mm -hmm. they're dying because they don't have the luxury that we do of just hopping into a car and going to an ER. It's not as easy for them. Mm -hmm. And so by the time they get there, I mean, just the just the experience of being we were there. we were dealing uh, at that moment we were dealing a lot with uh, cervical cancer and so um, we were putting in a lot of nef tubes and nephril ureteral um, stuff to try to help prevent the blockages um, in the urinary system from the cancers and so that's basically what we were dealing with the crazy thing is is we also there was a political kind of connotation to it because we couldn't just open our doors to everyone because we would just be flooded with cases every single day so we had to choose strategically what um you know who what kind of doctors we'd be talking to and what kind of patients we would accept while we were there for the two weeks yeah. um, we had meetings with dialysis doctors and talking about putting in dialysis. Yeah. so it's like crazy how it all kind of forms yeah it's just just being there in general you know, while we're just kind of on this subject, like, because basically just to wrap up the whole like day is that we would work for like 12 hours a day. As many cases as we could get done, we were there into like, you know, seven, eight, eight, yeah, at night. seven eight o'clock at night, you know, and, and we would leave exhausted. We would go home, we would have dinner and then we, or we would go out to dinner and then we would go to bed and wake up and do it all over again. Our room did have air conditioning, the, the like our work room where we were all like doing the main, and the our hub. Uh -huh. But like the most of the hospital did not have air conditioning. And it was a really eye-opening experience like being in this kind of environment because I've only worked in a hospital and been to a hospital in the United States. And even the crappiest of our hospitals are still, you know, really nice yeah. and clean and air conditioned and all the things. And so being there and like, you know, we went into a lot of the wards and, you know, there's just thousands of people just laying next to each other just bed bed not even bed like caught like caught caught, yeah. caught caught with mosquito nets with no air open conditioning air. 
and, and it's so hot. Like there's like no bathrooms and they're just laying in there and, and just like the, the sickness that you see and like the morgue, mm-hmm. like it was like, there was this huge room or this huge building with like smoke coming up. And we're like, what is that? And it was like, you know, the morgue, they have so many deaths there and, and, and the people, the family, it's customary for the family to all come together to receive the body. So there was just a waiting room that had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds every day because we would walk by there and every day and they're just waiting to come and like get their family member. And it was like, like, I feel like death was just like part, it was in the air there. It was something I had never experienced. Mm -hmm. It's definitely humbling because, you know, again, like there, there's people that are dying in the United States, um, all the time and like, but But it's not in your face. It's not in your face. It's not right there. And so that was definitely one of the shocking portions of it. Um, one of the doctors told me. Um, it, you know, it's, it's extremely beautiful. The people are beautiful. The patients are beautiful. Everything is great, but just like, it's something that you're not used to. So prepare yourself for a war zone and you'll be pleasantly surprised. If you go in thinking it's going to be like easy peasy state of the art that you won't have anything that you're not shocked to see, then you're going to leave feeling shocked and, and, you know, kind of upset. Yeah. I mean, it was a completely different work environment i mean even um i you know i'm obviously i do ultrasound and so i was with the ir people like i was helping in the creation of that but i made friends with one of the ultrasound the sonographer she spoke some english and so she let me come with her for the day or it was like a couple of hours and going with her so we went to the pediatric oncology ward which is a whole nother beautiful story um because so the pediatric oncology ward is a massive, massive building. Again, like, sad to think, completely filled with children, you mm-hmm. know, with cancer. And we did a lot of procedures on them in IR, mm-hmm. too. And uh, it, the the building was beautiful. Like, yeah. this was, like, a state of an art, state of... The art. The art, mm-hmm. like, like, building. Yeah. And just P.S., Billy Hospital is, like, thousands of beds. It is a, it was a compound. It like, is huge. Massive, massive hospital. I mean, it was, like, a town walking it was, across. It was literally, like, when you would go into the gate, it looked like people, and again, I'm, I'm using this very lightly just so you can wrap your mind around it, but it's, like, people waiting to get into an amusement park, like, lined up out the gate to get in yeah for it was the day. a massive it was compound crazy so this building is so beautiful and the this woman from ireland mm-hmm. oh gosh what was doc dr k or so oh my yeah, gosh i, I cannot believe i don't remember her name but she uh she was just this beautiful soul and she had lost a child to cancer and so she basically dedicated her whole life she started a foundation a charity and she came to Tanzania to Mbili Hospital and and built this beautiful building for Out of her own fund. children with cancer, with her fund. And every single patient that comes to this building for that has cancer that's under the age of 18 gets completely free care. Yep. It's paid for by her foundation. I mean, she's, it was just, and then, so she brings in her team from Ireland. Uh-huh. So it's just. And people involved with her foundation. Yeah. And so what was crazy is um, the mortality rate was, I think in the high 80% um, when, before she got there and she's got it down to under 60% now. Yeah, I which mean, is it was, awesome. It was insane. Like the work she's doing is incredible, and 
uh, just meeting her, it was just like, wow. Yeah. Cause, so she started, she found out about IR and was like, she freaked. She like, was like, oh my what? gosh. Because we got to do so many things with these kids that, again, just to make them more comfortable. Well, that like, was the one thing is we had one really sick kid and um, we did a biopsy on him, but he was too sick to go to the OR. So we did a liver biopsy on him and we also drained fluid off of his lung. And um, that was the one case that we saw him before and then we got an after picture of him like he had to be carried into the room he was almost like lifeless and then they sent us a picture when we left of him up and like walking and like just looking so much better and that was like such a cool rewarding like wow like that was awesome no that was like because not all of our cases were like yeah well so my whole point of that was that i went to the oncology ward with the sonographer and the way, like, basically, we had, like, say, 10 patients to do. And the, these girls and boys hustle. Like, they're a busy department. And, like, we had, like, 10 patients. I'm like, how are we going to do all this? is, like, so much. They, like, bring your machine. And basically, they just, like, lay the kids down and do a quick scan. Like, there's no pictures. I was like, wait, what do you, like, how do you take a picture? Like, nothing. Like, basically, like, you just look yourself. Which, if you're a sonographer, you know, like, your pictures, your documentation is everything. You have to prove everything. And uh, we would just do a quick scan through and then write up on a piece of paper what we saw. And so it was just like a conveyor belt of like, okay, who's the next kid? Okay, who's the next kid? Just on to the next. And like we busted out like 10 patients in like, you know, 20 minutes because we didn't have to take any pictures. And I'm like, this is insane. Like, I wish we could do this back home. Mm -hmm. But it was just like a totally different world. And um, it really, it humbled me. And it really made me feel so grateful for, you know, no matter like the circumstances like we have really good you know there's a lot of things wrong and jacked up with our systems but we have a really good you know hospital system when it comes to like just the comforts and being treated and being able to come in like for us it's easy to get for most of us it's easy to get to where we need to go to get treated and to get help and and our work environments as employees and all of that I was like wow I'm really grateful that I get to work in that kind of a facility because working there, man, it was just, it was a grind. It was. It was hard. But it it just never, like you said, it never felt, I mean, yes, we were tired at the end of the day. We slept really well, but, you know, you're just so. I was so energized. Yeah, it's like the energy level. I would, like, look and I would realize it's getting dark. And I'm like, wait, it's got to be, like, 7.30 eight o'clock and I'm like wow like you just don't even know it you're just in the grind you're just constant I mean my voice was like hoarse from like talking there was um and that was the crazy thing is they all speak English um where where we were working so the 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 text the nurses they spoke English the doctor spoke English and but there was a lot of times that you would get like a deer in headlights look Mm -hmm. and because they spoke English you forgot that there could be some loss in translation. And so there was a lot of different times where I would be explaining something and they would do the things immediately. They were so receptive. They were so open to like knowledge that, that, you know, that we were giving them and they would put it into action. Like that's one thing I noticed from training a lot of techs, you know, here in the States is, you know, a lot of people I would give them pointers or give them things that, you know, this is how kind of how we do it. This can make things faster. This can make things more efficient. This can make things safer. And I, I would say about 70% of them will do it, but there's that 30% that are just kind of like, eh, yeah. I'm going to do my own thing. 
in Africa or in Africa in Tanzania, they were so receptive and then they would put it into action yeah. immediately. They were and so, so eager to learn. They were and they were such hard workers and they never worried about time. They just kept going and kept going and kept going. And then um, they would never ask, like, when are we going to wrap this up today? Nope. Like, it was just like, do we have another one? Do we have another one? They were, they were so eager to learn, and they were so proud, like, of their department and, like, what they were doing for mm -hmm. their country, for their people, for their communities, and the work that they were doing, the value they were adding to their community. And it was, like, really cool. to Like, they are so proud of, like, what they were doing. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of like this you know, elite team, right? Because none of them were IR techs, or, nope. you know? Or, they you know, all came from, like, CT or yeah. regular X-ray. So or... they were learning this new skill, and then, you know, they were then training um, other people in, you know, the hospital, too. So it has this ripple effect, and the good that they're doing, the work that they're doing, the people that they are, the kindness they showed us, they were so friendly and welcoming, and just, like, opened our eyes in so many ways, and, like, I'll never... That was just... Yeah. Yeah, we, we left we left uh, Tanzania and we came back to the United States and then we drove across the country to start a contract. And I, when I went into that contract, man, I was just buzzing. Like it was just a feeling that still to this day has not left me. Um, it's still something I think about all the time and just wanting to really get involved more. Yeah. Um, and that time will definitely come. Yeah. And it's funny because like when we came back home, I almost found myself being really irritated with the the people because I'm like, you're complaining that you've waited five minutes past your appointment as you sit out there and sip your latte and read in your magazine and sit in air conditioning, go to the bathroom and all the things. And yes, like, you know, I'm not hating or judging. That's amazing. We get to do that, right? But like, you're like complaining, you're waiting five minutes where again, we just came from a place where these people are laying, they're sick as dogs and they're laying for, for days. On wooden benches. On wooden benches with no air conditioning, hoping to be seen that they could feel even a little bit better than how they feel now on like death's door and so i'm like you know i just found myself being i felt myself being judgy like in all transparency judging the uh privileges mm -hmm. that we that we have right us you and i too and how people are so quick to complain and how they just expect things and and how they want things done right now right now i'm not waiting and but there's it just i felt myself having a hard time transitioning back yeah. from that it was definitely a harder transition back than it was transitioning there yeah because i was like come on guys like things there's like but again if that's all you know it's you know right. and i was like that too but um yeah it put things in perspective it and did. it gave me gratitude for where we are and um i definitely am excited to do another volunteer trip and me too. um yeah, so uh, yeah. this is very long. It was very long, but it was, you know, the story that we've never been able to really tell, even on the podcast. Like I said, we've done this on YouTube and we filmed it. Um, that was like live in action. Yeah. Um, but we never really did get a chance to share about this. So this is something that we've always wanted to talk about. And I thought we had already done it. Nope. But um, I'm really glad that Kim brought this up because... And and yeah, and so uh, we're going to have Beth on again, just to kind of go through more logistical stuff of, of how you guys can get started, how you can stand out, how you can kind of get involved and um, in her experience as well, doing volunteer work. So, And I guess just remember too, it's just really awesome for this community because um, I, I think I, I don't think I finished what I was saying um, earlier in the podcast about, you know, the techs that I was working with at Yale were struggling to get, you know, some of the paid time off. And that was what was so beautiful about us is because Kim and I just scheduled it in between contracts. So I ended a contract 
in um, Orlando at in April or like the beginning of April. And I said, I'm sorry, I can't extend. Um, I'm going to Africa. Yeah. And so we planned our three weeks. We had plenty of time. We came back. We didn't start work right away. And I told my next contract that I had already lined up before I even left for Africa that I was going to yeah. Africa, I'd be back. So my start date. So as healthcare travelers, we have a huge um, benefit uh, to yep. be able to do things like this. And now that, you know, radiology has a specific, it's just even better. Yeah, a hundred percent. So I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. Even if you're not radiology, I think just all like just, you know, volunteering in general, just we want to just kind of share what our, that was the first time we've ever done something like that. So our overall experience of what that was like. Mm -hmm. And I just encourage anyone who wants to get involved to, to do that and use our skills in a real way to be able to serve other communities that, um, that need our help, yep. frankly. And so it's a really rewarding experience. It is. And uh, we would love to hear from you. So leave us a review. Leave us some love on this podcast. Rate it. We would appreciate it as we grow this gapped travel whoop, whoop. empire. Yep. And uh, we will see you guys next, next week. week. Yep. That's it. Bye. Deuces.